the last couple of weeks, let me just be honest with you. I've been praying differently because what I've been teaching you, I've been speaking to myself and I've been praying boldly. I'm going to share a story about that in a little bit. Uh, but today we're going to move into this last topic, bold obedience, bold obedience. Say the word obedience. obedience. Turn to your neighbor and say, you be obedient. turn to your neighbor and say, talk to your own self. (laughs) Let's jump right into Acts chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles or if you're using an electronic device, if you would follow along with me in Acts chapter 5, it is going to be up here on the screen. Uh, but there's, you're going to want to refer back to this chapter again and again. So if you've got some way to look at it, I think that will help you this morning. Uh, you might want to take notes this morning. Have the note cards already been passed out? You're all prepared, ready to go. Good stuff today. Acts chapter 5. Now let me put this into context for you. If you haven't been with us or if you fell asleep last week, let me just tell you where we've been in uh, the first few chapters of Acts. If you remember... Where this whole story started was the apostles, Peter and John, who were in the temple area, and they came across this guy who was lame. He had not walked in 40 years, the Bible says. And he was begging, and he was a regular here in the temple, and he was always begging and asking for money. And the the apostles came up to him, and they said, we don't have silver or gold, We we have nothing to give you, but in the name of Jesus... Rise up and walk. And immediately he stood up, and the Bible says that he was walking and leaping. He wasn't just walking like on wobbly legs. He started jumping around. The the healing was this dramatic. And so they began telling people that it was the power of Jesus that brought this healing. And the religious leaders of the day, who were responsible, by the way, for crucifying Jesus, they didn't like it one bit. So they threw Peter and John in prison. Uh, they came out for the trial. They, they threatened them to stop speaking in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John just said, we have to obey God rather than men. So they went back into the temple square. They continued teaching. And uh, we're going to pick up the story now. All kinds of things have happened that I don't have time to go into. You might want to read the rest of chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5. But we're going to pick up the story now at verse 17 of Acts chapter 5. Here we go. So after all this stuff had happened, the Bible says the high priest and his officials who were Sadducees, and that's an important word, they were filled with jealousy. Let me tell you just a little bit about Sadducees. You've probably heard the word Pharisee, and you know that the Pharisees were very concerned with obeying all the rules and regulations of the law. The Sadducees were another religious group of Jewish leaders but they were specifically different because they didn't believe that after death there was any kind of resurrection. And so the Pharisees believed in the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees believed there was no resurrection, so they were sad, you see. That's an old theological joke. But it says that they were filled with jealousy. And so they arrested the apostles and they put them in the public jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. And then he told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. 
Now, this is just a short paragraph, but there's three things that we see here, three principles of bold obedience that I think every one of us need to hear, and every one of us need to be encouraged to step out boldly obeying God like these apostles did. So here's number one. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. What we see here, number one, is that bold obedience to God usually triggers opposition. Bold obedience to God usually triggers opposition. Verse 18, if you've got your Bibles open, you see there that what they did is they arrested the apostles and put them into jail. Now, if you remember the story that I just caught you up on, this is now the second time in a very short period of time that these apostles have landed in jail. And if this happened to you or I, if we were in the workplace and we were talking about Jesus with a coworker or we were out in, in a public park somewhere talking about Jesus and the authorities came and put us into jail twice, you and I would say, that is not fair, right? That's not fair. I'm obeying Jesus. I'm doing what my rights are. I can say whatever I choose. This is not fair, right? And this reveals something that's really deep within us. We have this fundamental belief that if we are obeying God, everything should go our way, right? Don't we really believe that on a, on a fundamental level? If I'm, if I'm a really good person, bad things shouldn't happen to me. Listen, if I'm driving to church on a Sunday morning and I'm buzzing down Huffine at the old speed limit of 65 miles an hour, and a cop pulls me over and says, Russ Michaels, you've been speeding. I'm going to say, you may call me Pastor Michaels. I'm the pastor of Connect Church. Surely you've heard of us. And why would you give me a speeding ticket? I'm a good person. I'm an important person. There's hundreds of people that count on me on a Sunday to deliver a message. You should not give me a speeding ticket. That did not happen to me today, by the way. <laughs> Two weeks ago. No, it didn't. That's really... You think so little of me. We just think that if we're really obeying God, that bad things shouldn't happen to us, right? We, we kind of think, you know, I'm this person. I go to church once or twice a month, so everything should go my way. Nothing bad should happen to me. In fact, I'm such a good person, I should be married to a smoking hot wife who loves the Bible, okay? Single guys, is that what you believe? All right, some note takers there, all right? Or some of you moms and dads, you feel like, I'm obeying God, I'm, I'm teaching my kids the Bible, I take them to kids' ministry every Sunday, I'm a good person, my kids shouldn't get sick. Why, God, do you let my kids get a virus? That's just kind of the way we think. I should get an A on my calculus exam because I get up every morning and I read my Bible. So God should cover me in that class. I am such a good person that my team should win the Super Bowl today. And I know some of you are praying about the outcome of the Super Bowl today. And you think because your prayers are holy that your team's going to win. But here's the truth, and you can write this down in your notes if you're taking notes. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience, you're not ready to be used by God. That's kind of a harsh reality check. If you're not ready to face opposition for your obedience, you're not ready to be used by God. Let me tell you, in my journey of faith, there probably has been nothing, there probably hasn't been a bigger event in my life than when God called Chris and me to move to the Gallatin Valley and start a church from scratch. 
And if you're new to Connect Church, you probably don't know the story. But uh, in, in 2007, we felt like God was calling us to come here and start a church from the ground up. There was nobody paying the bills. Nobody was paying my salary. When we started the process, Chris didn't have a job here. She now has a great job. But it was a huge step of faith for us to uproot from our family and from our friends, from our church, from our jobs, and move to a place where we knew very few people and start from scratch. And the hardest part of it was we believed with everything that was within us that we were obeying God's call for us to come and do this. And there were people who opposed us. And we're like, how could you oppose what God is calling us to do? Some of the people that we were relying on for funding, some of our very closest friends, we would cast the vision and we would say, could you get behind us? Could you support us? Could you give for this vision of a new church in the valley? We, we had a, a sister church in this neighborhood who was on board. They were sending people to help us. They were supporting us financially. But some of our closest friends, even some of our relatives said, we don't have anything extra to help. We're, we're just not able to help. We landed in the Gallatin Valley. We were excited. We've got church support. We've got people helping us. We've got, God's doing miracles. There's all these things happening. And people would say, what makes you think you're any different than the other churches that have come and have closed their doors after a year or two? And we got negativity and we got opposition and it was difficult. And then we believed that God was calling us to plant churches elsewhere in Montana And the first time we started telling people we want to help other people start churches in Montana, all kinds of opposition flew up. Well, you're going to step on somebody's toes. There's plenty of churches in Montana. We don't need more churches. And I would say, do you know that there's hundreds of thousands of people in Montana that don't have a church home? And as long as there's people that don't have a church home, there's room for more churches. And people would say, "We, we have enough churches. We don't want you. We don't want you. And we faced opposition. Why? Because this is a spiritual principle. Bold obedience always triggers opposition. What is it in your life? God might be calling you to get out of debt. Maybe God is telling you deep in your heart, you know you've got to pay off those credit cards and get rid of the debt that's keeping you shackled and is preventing you from being generous or preventing you from being limber so you can go and move and do what God calls you to do. Maybe that's what God is calling you to do. You can say to your family, we're going to go on a tight budget. We're going to get out of debt. We're going to obey God. I can guarantee you somebody's going to oppose you. Your kids are going to say, dad, I want new Xbox games. And when you say, no, we're getting out of debt, they're not going to like you very much. Bold obedience triggers opposition. Some of you parents might decide you're going to prioritize church over your kids' activities and sports. And it used to be when I was growing up, man, Sundays were off limits, Wednesdays were off limits because those were church days. It's not like that anymore. And some of you parents might say, you know what? Church is more important for my kid. My kids need to know Jesus. My kids need to be discipled. They need to be in youth group. So I'm going to prioritize that. And let me tell you, your kids aren't going to like you very much. And your kids' coaches aren't going to like you very much. And the parents of your kids' friends aren't going to like you very much. Spiritual opposition comes when we're boldly obedient. Some of you are going to say, you know what? I've made a mess of my life. I'm a single person. I've been screwing up really bad. And so I feel like God is calling me to stop dating for a while. Your friends are going to say to you, what what happened? Did you turn gay on me? 
You're going to get all kinds of sarcasm and all kinds of opposition and, and rejection because you dare to be boldly different than the crowd. Some of you are going to say, listen, I've been dating this, this wonderful woman for a while, but I believe God is calling me to stop sleeping with her until we're married. And your girlfriend's going to say, I'm not going to go without. Bold obedience always results in spiritual opposition. And, and when we make decisions to walk with Jesus and obey him boldly, it means there's all kinds of opposition. It, it means you're in the will of God. So if you're experiencing opposition, I want you to know to be encouraged because you're doing the right thing, okay? That's number one. Here's number two. This one I love. Bold obedience releases God's miracles. And this is as true as the first one is. Bold obedience releases God's miracles. Look at what happened in verse 19. It says that the angel of the Lord came at night opened the gates of the jail and brought them out. So matter of fact, it, it, it's just, I, I think it's hilarious because the guy writing this is so emotionless, right? Now, if this happened to me, I would be freaking out. I'd be like, hey, this angel came and he was huge. He was nine feet tall. He had these big wings. He had a sword and he was flaming. And, and I'd be like, hey, angel, listen, I, I, I need to get a photo of, of you and me to post on Facebook. So... I practice this at home. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, I'd be like, let me get a picture, you know, and these apostles, this is the thing. They understood that bold obedience releases the miracles of God, so they didn't even go into detail, right? Because this is just what happened to them all the time. When you walk in obedience to God, you're not even surprised by the miracles of God. They happen to you so frequently. I love that. Let me, let me just tell you, we've been praying some bold prayers. Many of us in, in Connect have been praying bold, bold prayers this last week uh, or the last couple of weeks. And this week I got a phone call and Stan Dykstra was in the hospital. Wave your little gimpy finger there, Stan. And I, I got a phone call. Bruce actually called me and said, did you know Stan's in the hospital? He, he chopped his finger off at work today. So I went up to the hospital and I wanted to pray with Stan and Linda was there with him. And, and I said, what happened? And he described the accident. I won't give you all the gory details. Um, but, but he had chopped his finger off and I said, well, what are they going to do? Are they going to reattach it? And he said, no, it's just hanging by a little piece of skin. It went clear through the bone. It's just hanging there. And he said, these were Stan's words. I hope they just chop it off and close it up. And so, I, you know, I thought, wow, that's, that's kind of harsh. I wouldn't want to lose the tip of my finger, right? And so when we started to pray, and I'm not making this up. This is literally what happened. We started to pray. And have you ever been praying and, and words just come out of your mouth and you, you didn't really plan to say that, right? So I began to pray for Stan and I said, I said, Lord, I pray that the surgeon will be able to reattach the finger. Now, as soon as I said that, I, I thought to myself, wait a second, that's not even what Stan wants. So why am I praying that, right? He just said, I hope they chop it off and close it up. And I prayed, Lord, help the surgeon to reattach it. So then I'm, I'm arguing with myself, you know, like, like Satan, are you tempting to be, me to be more like Jesus again? And, you know, 
But no, I had this, I had this surge of faith right? And it was like, it wasn't even me. It was just the Holy Spirit praying for me. And, and I got a phone call later and, and Linda texted me and said that, that the doctors had, had finished the surgery. And so the next day I called up Stan and I said, Stan, what happened? And he said, they reattached the finger. I said, well, how did that happen? Cause it was just hanging by a thread. He was in the ER for hours. How many hours was it Stan? Four, six, all nine hours before he even got to the surgery. And he had said to me, I, I don't think that finger can survive because there's no blood flow. When the surgeon got to the finger, you know what he found? The artery was in that little strip of flesh that was holding it on. And that finger had been nourished the whole time. Okay? And, and I don't think you guys were even really surprised. <laughs> Why? Because bold obedience releases God's miracles. It's really true. On Friday, I put out a Facebook post. Some of you saw it. And I asked this question, what has God done to bless your obedience? What has God done to bless your obedience? Ryan Riojas jumped on there and said, my extremely pretty wife married me. (laughs) Now, I'm not really sure, Ryan, what you did. I saw Ryan earlier. Where are you? There he is. I'm not sure what you did to deserve Karen, but you're right. It was a miracle. I know. I'm with you. It was a miracle. (laughs) Chris and I have a good friend. Her name is Tara Smith. She visits here at Connect once in a while, and, uh, and many of you have met her. For most of her adult life, she struggled with bulimia. And uh, she would eat, and, and, and she felt like in order to manage her, her weight, she would just have to cause herself to vomit. And, and this was a struggle she had through her whole life. And then when she got into her mid-30s, she started having serious problems with irritable bowel syndrome, which is pretty typical of, of people who struggle with bulimia. And so uh, this happened, I think, about six years ago. We were on a mission trip in Mexico. We had a big team of people, and Tara was one of the people with us in Mexico. And the first day we were there, uh, her irritable bowel syndrome started acting up. And, of course, all the spicy food and Mexican stuff, you know, we're all just gorging on this wonderful food. And she was struggling, and she said, guys, I'm so sick. I'm afraid I'm going to have to go home. And so Chris's mom was uh, actually one of the missionaries we were working with down in, in Mexico, and, and Judy said, we're going to pray and we're going to ask Jesus to heal your irritable bowel syndrome. And so the whole team gathered around her. We laid hands on her. We prayed up a storm, and she felt better immediately. The Lord touched her miraculously. And she went through that whole trip. She ate everything she wanted, including the nasty things that some people serve to us. And, and she ate it all. She had no problems. And then we came home, and for six years, she's been free. She, she answered my Facebook post. Here's what she wrote. You can read it. It's up on the screen. She said, because I walk in obedience to not eat and purge, I believe that all the things that were wrong with my digestive tract remain healed. And now he helps me to see myself like he does. I love that. That's a miracle. And it's a miracle that was released because she chose to be obedient. God touched her, but then there was obedience that was required to keep her in a healthy place, right? Michelle Boyd was another one that answered my my, uh, Facebook post. Where are you, Michelle? I saw you earlier. Oh, everybody's sitting in the back row today. Um, Not by choice, gotcha. 
Michelle shared with me, and she, she sent me a, a couple of stories, and, and one that I just want to share with you was that when, when Michelle and Jason decided to get married, they just had a, a fairly short engagement period, but Michelle had some student loans that she was still paying on, and neither one of them had family family that could help them pay for the wedding, and they wanted to have a great celebration. And so Michelle decided, with the help of the Lord, that she was going to pay off her student loans, and she was going to pay cash for her wedding, and she was going to save up, I think she said, Michelle, uh, $12,000 was what the wedding and, the, and paying off the student loans. In a very short engagement period, she decided, I'm going to do that. And here's what she wrote to me. She said, during this time of living frugally, I faithfully continued, now listen to this, I faithfully continued to tithe, to serve, and to give. And the Lord took care of everything, and I was debt-free when we were married. That was a miracle. Who can pay off $12,000 in just a few months? She wasn't making a huge amount of money, but it was a miracle that the Lord released. And there's a picture of them on their wedding day. It was a great day. Here's number three. Here's number three. Bold obedience always requires faith. Bold obedience always requires faith. Don't get me wrong. When I'm talking about obedience, you're going to be opposed, and there's going to be miracles and all this kind of stuff. doesn't make it any easier. A lot of times when we hear God speaking to us and we know that we must obey, it's difficult. Listen to what happened to the apostles. The angel sprung them out of jail. No big fanfare. They just sprung them out. And then he said this. And I can just imagine their faces. He said, go to the temple and give the people the message of life. Now, if I could paraphrase, this is what the angel said. Go back and do what got you thrown in jail twice, okay? And I can imagine they weren't too thrilled about it. It would take faith for them to go back and repeat the behaviors that had gotten them thrown in jail the first two times. But that's what bold obedience requires is taking a step of faith. One of my favorite illustrations of faith comes from an old Indiana Jones movie. And some of you know this. It's kind of dark. So guys, if you don't mind killing the lights, I want you to see this. It's a good, good illustration for this. So you might be asking yourself the question, how do I start obeying by faith? What exactly does that mean? A lot of times it means starting to do something without being able to see where you're where you're going. You have to take a step sometimes without having all the answers. And for a lot of us, it starts with just simply obeying God's word. You read the Bible, it says uh, God's will is for you to do this and this, and, and you just say, God, I, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me, but I have to obey you obediently. I have to boldly obey and do what God's word says. The Bible says that his word is a lamp unto my feet right? It doesn't mean, it doesn't say it's a high, high grade spotlight that illuminates everything in front of you, does it? It, it said, I, I kind of visualize, visualize it like my, my hiking headlamp, you know, and you just see a few feet in front of you and you take one step and then you take the next step of obedience to God's word. And you don't always know what the consequences are going to be. You don't always know what the opposition is going to be. You don't know if there's going to be money for you at the end of the pathway, but you know, if God is calling you to do it, if he's speaking to you to obey, he will be faithful to have the rock under your feet when you take the step. Anybody lived that? <laughs> I got one amen. All right, thank you. One of the things God's, God's word tells us to do 
is to tithe. And, and many of you are very faithful tithers, and I appreciate that so much. Some of you probably have never even heard that word. You don't know what that is. And, and the principle in God's word is, is that those of us that are following Christ, we commit 10% of our income to give to our local church, the church where we attend regularly. And that's just a principle that we find all through the scriptures. And, uh, and it's one of those matters of obedience. And, and if you're like me or you're like most people who have committed themselves to tithing, you don't know where that money's gonna come. The math doesn't make sense. But for most of us, it's a matter of taking a step of faith and saying, God, I'm going, to in, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to try and I'm going to be boldly obedient. Patrick, you want to come? I asked Patrick if he would share his story uh, with us and he and Kristen, they started coming to connect, what, two years ago or so, Patrick, I think, and, and uh, committed their lives to Jesus. And uh, about a year and a half, I, a year and a half ago, I taught on tithing and giving and living the blessed life. Many of you were here for that. And Patrick, you and Kristen were uh, one couple that you just said, we're going to take God at his word. And tell us, it costs you a lot of money. Um, so tell us what the decision process was like for you. How did, how did you decide to obey? It really was a leap of faith and it was not easy. Um, mostly because Russ is right, the math does not add up. I mean, we were given $20, $30 cash in my pocket, basically, on Sunday, and not even that. And considering that our tithe, and then, you know, Russ explains all this 10% thing, it's like, wow, 10%, we can barely make it as it is. And we were truly, we were just buried in debt. We were barely making it financially. Um, and anytime something happened to us, we just had to borrow more money. Um, and so cutting out 10% and just giving to the church wasn't, it didn't make any sense. It wasn't going to work on paper. And so you decided, we're going to try it, we're going to do it. And what happened immediately after you started tithing? Uh, well, it's kind of funny, but the, the effects were immediate because we had started tithing and didn't know how, because it, it looked like on paper it was going to make our financial situation worse to, to be out that much money. And it started by, you know, just being sacrificial. And I want to be clear that it, it was a leap of faith, not a test. It wasn't, we're going to test God and see if this really works. It was, we're going to do this and we have no idea how, but somehow this is going to work. Um, and that Sunday, we were out, and we did not have money for, for, to go out to lunch that day. We were both hungry, and it's because we had tithe. And right when we were talking about this, I looked down, and there's a $50 bill on the ground, and we just kind of laughed, you know, it's, not it's because we tithe. <laughs> you know, half-joking, I mean, it, it was true that God was faithful and provided for us, and that's the whole point. I mean, it's not like you're going to get suddenly, miraculously wealthy beyond your dreams, but our financial needs have more than been met since we started. Now, when you did it, if I remember the story correctly, you had to cut a bunch of stuff out. Didn't you get rid of cable or, I mean, you... TVO, we did have to make some sacrifices in order to get to that 10%. Um, but it did mean, you know, minimum payments on credit cards and no trying to get our balances down or anything like we, we tried it. Uh-huh. But eventually it just turned around and God blessed you abundantly, right? Uh, miraculously so. Uh, I make decent money working uh, at Wells Fargo, but... Last year was a really tough year for us, and many of you know what our daughter went through. And so I actually went out on leave for three months to help my daughter through that ordeal. And then when I came back to work, I got laid off. And so I spent most of the rest of the year sitting on my butt wondering what the heck I was going to do. Um, but at the end of the year, the, the truth is, through some truly miraculous infusions and, and generosity from my employer, I made twice as much money last year than I have ever made, and I worked two months.
Literally twice as much? Literally twice as much. All right. Isn't that cool? This is what happens when you take a step of faith. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you. Now, there's all, kinds of, there's all kinds of things we could talk about in taking these steps of faith. Money is just one. Uh, but it, it's, it's incredible how, uh, how God takes care of us when we just step out and we don't know how it's going to work. We don't know what the end is from the beginning. When Chris and I made the firm decision that we were going to move to the Gallatin Valley and, and start Connect Church and start the whole thing up, uh, Chris had checked, and, and there was a job available in her, her career field here in Bozeman. And we were all excited. Yeah, God's going to take care of us. It's confirmation. And then uh, she told them uh, they, they needed the job filled in, in May or June, I think, of 2007. And we couldn't move until September. She couldn't start the job until September. And so uh, Bozeman Deaconess, the management, told her, well, we can't keep the job. We're going to have to hire somebody else. And so we were devastated. What's going to happen? But we didn't waver in our faith. We, we said, we're going to obey what God, is going to call it, what God is calling us to do. So we both resigned our jobs. We made plans. We found a place to live. And you know what? Bozeman Deaconess couldn't find anybody else to fill the job, and so they held it for Chris. And when we got here, she had a job. That's what God does. That's what God does when we boldly obey. Now let me tell you, we are on an incredible faith journey still. It's almost five years. Uh, two weeks from today will be five years to the day that we had our first service in River Rock in Belgrade for Connect Church. And we're still on a faith journey. Uh, it, things have not gone the way that we really envisioned them to go. Uh, but it's been, it's been a cool adventure. M many of you know that we were at, at River Rock for four years in that little tiny community center, we were just packing people in and we were looking for bigger spaces and trying to find a place. And finally, the doors opened for us to find this place. And we prayed about it and, and we sought wisdom and we negotiated and we finally decided this is what God's calling us to do. And, and it was almost insurmountable because this building, you guys remember that were with us, it was just empty, right? There were no walls. There was no sheetrock. It was just this white plastic stuff on four walls in this place. And it was expensive and we had to raise money and we asked you to give and we took a step of faith and, and look at what God has provided for us as we just stepped out in faith. And then... And then it has filled up and we didn't have enough parking. So I shared with you a few months ago, we're going to ask these people, the owners of this property to the north of us, to give us that land for a parking lot. And we asked, would you give us that land? And they said, no, we won't give you the land. <laughs> and I'm like, God, what are you doing? We've got to have parking lot. And uh, it, it's been a long negotiating process, but we finally made a deal about a week and a half ago. And I want you to know we finally have secured that land. Uh, we're able to lease it. And it hasn't been a gift, but uh, what they asked us for a lease, they came down by 50%. And so I think that's awesome. And the Lord has done, done it for us. But it's going to be a leap of faith because it's not free. And our, our budget is, is tight and, and it's going to be more money that we're paying for a lease. And uh, I, I don't know exactly how God is going to do it, but I know that this is what God has provided. And, and, and this is the, the step of faith that we're taking. Uh, I don't know what the next step will be, uh, but I, I do know that God has called us to be a church for people who don't have a church. 
God has called us to be on mission. And you guys know that on most Sundays, this is full. We've got quite a few empty chairs today, but that's not typical. Most Sundays, this room is very, very full, and our kids' ministry is full on most Sundays. And so as a step of faith, we have decided in March, we're going to start having two services on Sunday mornings to make room for more people to come and be reconnected to God. And so as a result of that, let me tell you, it's a step of faith. And, and I have to be honest with you, those of us that are leaders here at Connect Church, we're kind of peeing ourselves because we're so scared, okay? And, and, and we're scared because, because we need a lot of stuff to make this happen. Can I just lay it out for you? We need more tithers. Many of you have started attending Connect since we've moved into this location and, and, and you're, you're coming and you're benefiting and you're loving Jesus, you're worshiping, but we need more people that'll say, I'm gonna be faithful to give 10% of my income because I wanna be a part of what God's doing at Connect. And I'm gonna take a step of faith to honor the step of faith that Connect Church is, is, is taking to make room for more people. We need some people that are already tithers who will just say, I believe God is calling me to give more. Let me tell you, I, I, I have a vision and, and I don't know if, if this is from the Lord or not, but I keep praying about it and I keep imagining what God is going to do as a next step. We're spending a lot of money paying somebody else rent for this building and now we're going to pay rent for that parking lot and it's just going nowhere. It's just rent that's going out the doors. And I think maybe the next step is for us to buy property and build a facility that belongs to us. And so maybe God will say to some of you, you know what, I'm already a tither, I give 10%, but I'm going to start sowing money into a fund for the next step of development for Connect Church. I don't know who that is that God might be speaking that to, but maybe that's what God is calling you to do. Just as importantly, we need volunteers. We need people that'll step up to the plate and say, this is my church, and it's time for me to obey the Lord in serving. And, and uh, we've got a lot of people that volunteer every week. In fact, when I have friends that come and visit Connect, one of the things they always say is, I can't believe how many people are volunteering. It's just awesome. But when we add a second service, we can't do this on the backs of the volunteers we already have. We need so many of you that have made this your church home, but you're not yet serving. We need you to step up and say, listen, I can give a few hours of my time every week, and I can obey God by serving and volunteering. If you'll grab your connection cards, they're in the back of the seat pocket in front of you, the back of the seat pocket that didn't come out quite right, you know where they are. But on your connection cards this week, they are twice as big as they normally are, and it's because we made space on the back for you to sign up for a ministry team. Uh, and, and there's so many areas where we have critical critical needs. And you can go down there. Uh, Shoni did a really good job of describing all these different ministries. And I'm not going to read everything, but I, can I just highlight a few? Uh, right at the top is a cleaning crew. We've got a very small group of people that cleans this building every week and they're volunteers. Uh, we, we haven't hired somebody to clean the building because we had people that were willing to volunteer. But at this point, it's a really small group of people and there's two areas that are critical. One is cleaning this area, our, our main gathering space in the bathrooms, and that's that 
Uh, that's the second choice there that you could choose if you want to help with that. But uh, the one area that we're just desperate for people is some people to volunteer to clean the kids' ministry area. When we moved into this building, uh, Pastor Bruce and I put our heads together and we said, this is what we're going to do. We're just going to ask our kids' ministry volunteers to clean up their space every Sunday when they're done. Well, it just hasn't worked that way. And so what's been happening for the last six months or so, Pastor Bruce and Katrina usually get here really early on a Sunday morning and they clean up all the junk from the week before. And it's just a huge burden on them. And friends, they just can't do it anymore. They just can't do it anymore. And it would be a really small job for four or five people that would alternate weeks to come and spend an hour, two hours maybe, cleaning up that area. Could, could I ask some of you to volunteer for that area of ministry? And Pastor Bruce is right over here. If you have any questions, you could talk to him about that. Uh, we need more greeters. We need some projection people. Terry's back there at the laptop in the sound booth. Wave at everybody, Terry. And she's our, she's our projection team leader. And everything that comes up here on the screen, Terry is running all that. She trains our projection volunteers. But one of the things that's happened is uh, we've had some people that have uh, gotten sick or had surgery and they can't serve. We've had some, uh, some university students that have moved away. They can't serve. So Terry is doing it almost by herself week after week after week. And so we need some people. You don't need a lot of computer savvy. You don't have to create this stuff. You just have to to show it, all right? So some of you could volunteer for that ministry. You could talk to Terry if you want some information about that. Kids ministry. Uh, Pastor Bruce talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and there's so much need there. And when we go to two services, it's going to double our need for volunteers. So you could, you could do that. We need help in prayer ministry. We need help in hospitality. Craig is our team leader. He's back there by the coffee pot. We need more people back there, especially when we go to new to two services. Student Ministries needs volunteers, and our parking connectors, uh, they, they do this. And, and again, when we go to two services, we're going to need twice as many people. That's an easy job, and you even get to wear a cool orange vest. So, you know, I, I know some of you are dying to make that fashion statement. So um, would you consider, if you're not already in a ministry team, would you consider volunteering for one of these ministries. And you can mark it on your card or you can talk to one of our team leaders if you need more information. Uh, One of the things we believe is that uh, we don't want you to be married to a ministry for the rest of your life. So once in a while, people come and say, listen, I can't volunteer anymore. And we say, that's okay. Where can we plug you in somewhere different? Or maybe a season of your life takes you out. So I'm not asking you to volunteer from now until when Jesus comes, but I'm asking you, that might be tomorrow, I don't know. But I'm asking you, will you step up to the plate and be obedient to the need that maybe God is calling you to fulfill? Does that make sense? Tell me you love me. Thank you. I asked of your money and I asked of your time. That can make enemies, I understand. We're going to wrap this up. Let me show you what happened in Acts chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles open, verse 21 says this. Actually, I think it's up on the screen says, at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple as they were told and immediately began teaching. Do you see what happened? The angel spoke to them and he said, go and tell these people the gospel message. And what they do, they didn't wait, they didn't delay, they just immediately stepped into action. They didn't delay. 
Here's a couple of things that I think all of us need to hear. Number one, delayed obedience is disobedience. You might say, I'm not going to start tithing until I've paid off all my credit cards. I'm not going to start tithing until I get a really good raise at my job. Listen, delayed obedience is disobedience. Secondly, partial obedience is disobedience. You might, you might be saying, I'm gonna, I, I'm, I know Jesus is calling me to stop sleeping with my girlfriend. I know Jesus is calling me to that. But I, I, I'm going to wait until next month because I, I just can't do it now. Listen, partial obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. The end of the story, I think, is just as thrilling. In verse 28, this is what we read. The apostles, again, were called in before the religious leaders, and they said, didn't we tell you never again to teach in this man's name? Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than obeying any human authority. That's bold obedience. Bold obedience. Will you join me, friends, in being boldly obedient? I don't know what it is God is calling you to do, but I know that God is calling us to boldly follow him and live the life that he's called us to. A few weeks ago, I shared this chart with you, and I put it in your notes again this week because I think it's a good, old, good reminder. If you don't know where boldness will come from, it's just very simple. When you spend time with Jesus... When you're reading your Bible, when you're praying and you're spending time with him, it leads to faith. And that faith will make you bold. And when you boldly obey, when you boldly speak, when you boldly pray, you're going to see spiritual results. And when you see spiritual results, it's going to make you want to spend more time with Jesus. And it's just this really cool cycle that just churns out boldness and faith and spiritual results. And you can be who God has called you to be. If you'll start with number one, spend time with Jesus and then let him do the rest of your life. That's good preaching. Stand with me, would you? Bow your heads with me. Jesus, we've been talking now for the last five weeks about being bold. I felt months ago, Lord, that you were calling us to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in a way that for many of us, we haven't yet. And Lord, as we wrap this up today, I want to pray for this great group of people in this room. Lord, will you make us bold? Whether it's obeying you boldly or whether it's speaking with boldness, whether it's being on mission boldly proclaiming who you are, whether it's praying prayers that are more bold, will you just fill us so full of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we begin to turn this community upside down, that we begin to impact the state in which we live, that Jesus, our, our giving and our sending and our acting will reach around the world to be influential in the way that you created us to be. And Jesus, now today, I know that there are some of us that for the first time need to boldly come to you and say, yes, Jesus, 
I will walk with you. I will serve you. I will give my life to you. And so Jesus, today, as, as we just bow in your presence, I pray that you will speak to us and draw us to yourself. Would you keep your heads bowed and, and nobody looking around for just a minute? This morning, if, if you have not yet made a bold commitment to walk with Jesus and to serve him, I would love nothing more than to pray with you this morning. And I'm not going to make you get out and walk to the front or uh, anything like that. I, I just would love to pray with you. And, and if you want to be included in this prayer, would you raise your hand boldly right where you are, real high, so I can pray with you. Thank you, young lady here in the front, lady in the back, several people over here raising your hands. You're coming to Jesus this morning. For many of you, you've never prayed this prayer before, and you're just saying, Jesus, I'm coming to you. All right, could we all pray this together? And those of you that are raising your hands, would you pray this from the depths of your heart? Lord Jesus Christ, I hear you calling me, and I know I want to follow you. Jesus, I ask you to cleanse me of every sin, every compromise, everything I've ever done wrong, Wash me clean and fill me with your spirit so that I can boldly walk with you, so that I can boldly speak in your name, so that I can be on mission for you. So when I pray and when I obey, I'll see your miracles released. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.